This is a podcast from the Royal Court Theatre. The following content may contain strong language. Hello, this is the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast with me, Simon Stevens. The career of Rachel Delahaye might be described as the platonic form of a young Royal Court playwright's career in the 21st century. She joined the Court's Unheard Voices programme in 2010, an initiative led by the theatre's long-term artistic associate, the massively underrated and massively important Ola Anamashuan, committed, like much of his work, to representing voices too rarely represented on the Court's stage. Out of that group came her first play, The Westbridge, an energised, explosive exploration of the complexities and contradictions of racial identity in Britain's urban spaces. It premiered not at the court, but in Peckham at the Bossy Building as part of the court's initiative to take work out of the confines of the rarefied spaces of Sloane Square. It was remounted in the theatre upstairs and won that year's Writers Guild Award for Best Theatre Play and that year's Alfred Fagan Award. Her second play, Roots, in 2013, a beautifully poised and charged study of the mess of identity in Britain's immigrant community and the drive that brings people to this country, won her the 2013 Charles Winter Award for Most Promising Playwright. In 2014, she returned to her home city of Birmingham with her play Circles, a tender exploration of love and self-hatred from the perspective of the city's number 11 bus until recently the longest urban bus journey in Europe. She's written for radio and television, has developed work for film, and was one of the writers on the 2015 internet drama The Last Hours of Laura Kay. She's a writer widely celebrated for her ear for urban idiom, but it is, I think, her inherent capacity to find humanity and vulnerability in those characters often demonised by the urban experience that her talent becomes extraordinary. That and her structural boldness. The energy of a place for me lies as much in their structures as in the fizz and crackle of her idiom. Rachel Delahaye, welcome to the Royal Court. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's such a great pleasure. It's so nice to see you. A question which I always kind of start these things with is what what's the first time you went to the theatre? When was the first time you went to the theatre? The fir- first time I went to the theatre mm. would have been as a kid, probably youth theatre, acting in theatre or like... Really? Yeah, I was on the stage, Simon, when I was like seven. <laughs> were you? <laughs> Humble brag. What, 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 were you, so what, were you, what were you in? I was, so we did youth theatre in Birmingham when I was a kid. Mm. I wasn't seven, it's an exaggeration, I must have been older. But like, A Christmas Carol? And like, I don't even remember the director's name, it's some fancy director from Birmingham Rep came down and was like, I need a bunch of kids to do a carol in the Christmas Carol and be an extra. Do you remember what carol you did? No, I remember, the, I, I must have done it for the whole of Christmas, but I specifically remember the preview where we'd had no rehearsal with the cast <laughs> and coming on out of time, like 10 kids, and singing to a live orchestra out of time and being like, this is hell. <laughs> like, wow. Who would do this? It was like shambolic, but I'm sure it changed. But, I don't, <laughs> but that's my only memory of it, being like, oh my God, <laughs> the man down there is at a different pace to us. <laughs> this oh, can't Lord. be good. And the, were, the, uh, were the, uh, the professional actors... I think they were like eye-rolling us from the back. <laughs> Like, I knew these kids would fuck it up. You you, you were on... And that was Birmingham Rep. The theatre was Birmingham Rep. You were on stage before you went to the theatre. Before um, you'd ever seen anything at the theatre. Yeah. Oh, like, kids' plays. I'd seen, like, school plays Mm -hmm. and stuff. And um, maybe... What, at school? At school. Theatre and education things, yeah. Well, no, no, no. No. Because the only theatre and education stuff you got, like, when you were a kid was, like... Don't talk to strangers. Yeah, or like exactly. Like with sweets yeah. from men. Yeah. <laughs> As always. <laughs> it's always sound advice. It's really sound advice, even now. <laughs> but I do remember there was, yeah. like, a big brick wall at the back of the Birmingham Rep, and, like, all famous actors had, like, signed it. Oh, no. And, like, it, it had, like, some cool names on it. And I remember signing my name on it, and then as I got older, they were like, we're going to knock down the thing around and rebuild it. And I was like, fuck Did sake. they knock down that wall? Yeah, it's not that. It's like a whole different oh, like, space. I know. So I was like, oh, could have been like eight-year-old me. Do you remember uh, what you went to see with your school? Um, 
I remember we did a show of, well, I think I was in the chorus of it. We did in secondary school a show of The Wiz, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was quite cool in my school to do the it. The Michael Jackson version yeah. of this it was. <laughs> that was very cool. And it had some like really good singers from the school in it. Um, and I remember like that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I was like, this is really cool. It was very like, because you know you do a Christmas play and they're quite normal. Yeah. But that was quite, yeah, a bit special. Yeah, exactly. Done that. Um, play I would have seen. I saw ballet when I was about 14, 15. Who did you go with? With school, right. Birmingham Royal Ballet. And I saw like a Romeo and Juliet. And it was, but obviously I didn't understand that there'd be no dialogue. <laughs> so it was just like right. someone dancing around. Right. But that was really cool, a bit long, but quite fun. Um, and I think, and um, so yeah, I felt like I'd seen a lot of plays, but I hadn't, I wouldn't have seen a play like a your play. Right. I wouldn't have like, actually, I tell you what, we went to Derby Playhouse oh, yeah. to see an Arthur Miller. With uh, the school again? Yeah. So with, it was going to the theatre was mainly with school rather yeah. than with friends or family or anything? Yeah. Death of a Salesman, yeah. and it had a banging set, and I remember it being epic and Brilliant. kind of fun. Yeah. How old were you then? Uh, GCSE, right. maybe, right. yeah. But like, yeah, and then that shut down, didn't it? Or shut down refurbed? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's sad. But yeah, it's like when, like, in Birmingham, you have to go to, like, you either go Birmingham Airport if they haven't got the play on, you have to go Derby or you have to go yeah. Coventry, you have to go Bel Belgrade. Leicester, but you do yeah. travel yeah. a bit more than you would. I don't think people around here would be like, oh, I'll go all the way to Croydon. Like, you just wouldn't, people aren't so bothered about going to the Richmond Theatre if you, if you live in, like, East London. What was Birmingham like growing up in Birmingham? Fun. Cool. What was fun and cool about it? Um, I don't know. Um... It's just, it's easy. Like, I lived in Hansworth, so to get to town, take, like, 15 minutes on the bus. Yeah, was that the number 11 bus? <laughs> no, it wasn't the number 11 bus. <laughs> also, what is this bus that's now overtaken? I don't know, I don't know. I like, didn't, when and I was, until recently. When I was researching the podcast, I didn't Google, kind of, like, uh, rigorously like, enough to find out what. What's this bus that's overtaken it? <laughs> Fucking typical. Yeah. Um, no, Birmingham was cool. It was very fun, safe. Easy city, easy to manage. You didn't feel too overwhelmed. I remember coming to London a few times as a kid, and I was just like, I just like little. I've got certain memory, like as a very little kid, and then as a teenager, I've just been like, this is kind of hectic. This is a bit busy. Mm. I kind of loved it, but I'd be a bit like, you'd get lost here <laughs> quite easily. Whereas Birmingham never really had that feeling. You'd just be like, you'd go to like the cinema with your mates, and you'd be like, I meet you outside McDonald's on the ramp, and that was just like a meeting point. Whereas, yeah. like, if you couldn't say that in London. <laughs> You'd be like, me, as I'm McDonald's. <laughs> what one? <laughs> like, yeah. So it was manageable. Yeah. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Were you a big reader? When you talk about doing GCSE English and finding, uh, being astonished by Death of a Salesman, did you, a lot of writers, when they're growing up, the yeah. reading's a really important part of their life. Was it for you? Without bragging, mm. I think I read more than most in my yeah. family, but I wasn't a big reader. Right. Like, I'm sure my family would be like, fuck you. <laughs> but I feel like I was, I enjoyed books. I definitely enjoyed books when I was really little. Like, I loved Matilda and I wanted to be, I thought I would, mm. but I, I didn't ha quite have her dedication <laughs> to the reading. <laughs> but um, I say that I know I'm not a big reader because I remember specifically doing my A-level English lit thing mm. on the comparison of... King Lear to A Thousand Acres of Sky, like that was, was mm. it Was it A-level or GCSE? Mm -hmm. But it was like the comparison of the play to that novel. Yeah. And I'd only read like half the novel. <laughs> I had to do this fucking A-level <laughs> question. And I remember the opening question being, in chapter seven, I was like, I've read chapter seven, <laughs> just go with oh that question. Gosh. And I got an A. Oh, nailed Did it. You? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. Fucking walked it. <laughs> I was like, I just read three questions, so I like pick one. I was like, uh, compare the characters. I was like, can't do that. That sounds like you need to read the whole play. <laughs> and the whole book even. And then they were like, in chapter seven of the novel, I was like, sweet, we'll go with this one. Let's see how we get on. <laughs> and were you somebody uh, who wrote at all? Did you write for your, uh, you know, when, do you, when did you start writing for your own exploration or entertainment or enjoyment? Um... I thought I'd guessed all your questions and these are not the questions I thought you'd ask. <laughs> I was like, favourite actor, got it. Favourite film, nailed it. Okay, when did I start writing? I don't, I don't know. I like, I said, I've got a really boring life. Like, I remembered like you did like essays and right. like back then, because I'm so old, you had to handwrite them and then type them up on the computer. So, you'd, so I always remember structuring and writing essays and kind of enjoying it as much as you can enjoy homework. Yeah. I don't remember writing stories or no. anything like that. Um, 
No. Did you? Did you? Because a lot of I always think um, when I think about the roots that you know what I did. Yeah, go on. Actually, what did you do? When I but but this is way later. When I went to drama school, Mm. I remember they'd ask you to do like lists. Like you know, you have to do like what is your character want? Who's your character? Yeah. All the Stanislavski stuff. Yeah. And I always remember buying really fancy scrapbooks from W. H. Smith. They right. were like really fun, mm. and like writing diary entries of characters and mm. like just getting a bit crazy with it. Mm-hmm. And I'd always they'd always the teacher would be like everyone would hand in like two pages and I'd hand in like a big textbook. Oh. So I enjoyed that, and that was yeah. all handwritten and quite fun. And I'd get a print stick out and put some pictures in. I <laughs> quite enjoyed that yeah. stuff. But uh, I mean, a lot of people. Uh, I was, it's, it's a simplistic thing, but I always think people go into playwriting from either one of two routes, simplistically. They're kind of, I always think that I'm the first type, which would be like a writer who... Loves words. Always loves words, yeah. always loves writing, and kind of stumbles upon theatre as the medium that best articulates yeah, what yeah, they yeah. want to say. Or the other, who's, by the sounds of it, is what you did, is people who are actors, yeah. who want to act and then find themselves writing roles for themselves yeah. and expanding out from that. So you, you started acting in the, yeah. in, the, in the choir of A Christmas Carol at Birmingham Rep with your name on the wall. Yeah. You carried on acting, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah All throughout so. your school? Yeah. You All do th- A-level drama? No, it wasn't an option. Ooh. We did... Um, so how did you pursue your acting? I, I basically auditioned for drama school and went moved to London. Did you act through your teens as well? Um, like... I mean, to say I acted is... I, I Yeah, we did youth theatre. We did. We had, like, a Sunday thing every Sunday, and you'd go to it. Mm. And that was, like, the kind of the break from school, and that was super fun. Yeah. And I do... I'm sure I've told you this before in my boring stories, but I do mm. remember, like, my mum stopping it for GCSE because it was, like, that thing that parents always feel. They're like, and now it's exam time. All <laughs> fun must stop. <laughs> and I went mental. That like really not motivates at, like I literally, you to do your exams. I do, yeah. Turn your exams like, <laughs> into your enemy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, well, now like now it's exam time and it's the serious part of your yeah. life. All the fun will stop. So I was mm. like, okay. And I saw all my friends around me kind of having the same thing. So I was yeah. like, this is what you do. Yeah. But like ultimately, it just made me bored and frustrated and I just stopped doing everything. I what, really what, Tell us it. about the Sunday drama. Uh, you just It was just you fit and you mm. do two plays and one was devised and one was scripted it's like I remember doing Dr Faustus wow. like um, being in the chorus of that as one mm. of like the devils or whatever mm-hmm. and I just remember because I, I have I had and I still have kind of a bit of a fear about Shakespeare I find it boring mm-hmm. I find it long mm-hmm. whenever I watch it I know it's going to be two and a half hours yeah. and everyone's sort of like oh but what about Baz Luhrmann's film and I'm like that's like one <laughs> like mm. one mm-hmm. so few people do it mm. that do it to a level where you actually want to watch it again yeah. and so I kind of felt the same about Marlowe and I was like oh here we go and then we just started doing this play and t- attacking it from that way with the director going through the script just telling what the actors wanted I watched the guy who played Dr Faustus this brilliant actress played um Astophilies. yeah, yeah um, I just was like oh this is cool I get it I understand every line I know Marlowe's a little bit simpler than Shakespeare for the dialogue but I was just like this is just really easy and mm-hmm. I must have been about 11, 12 when I yeah. did that and I was like piece of piss and then as later on some girls from other schools had to do it at school and I was like yeah. oh you're so lucky that yeah. you get to like study that because that means you know it whereas like we got like Macbeth or whatever or right. yeah and I was just like oh, I wish we got like something that I've done yeah. on stage because yeah so it felt like a good way of making scripts like that tangible manageable whatever. yeah but yeah I'm trying to think you know how teenagers explore their imagination and their imaginary world mm. what kind of films you were watching or what what else were you doing were you playing video games were you watching television how did you exercise your imagination to playing video games playing bamboozle right because like... i'm like so <laughs> i know absolutely fuck all about video games Vid- bamboozle's so not what, a video game what it's is a it teletext game it's so sad we were so poor <laughs> you had to like go on teletext and play like my mom bought me on teletext a teletext was it 888 oh no that was subtitles you just went on and like it had quizzes it had it was epic i loved it so playing that like my mum bought me a Sega Mega Drive and everyone else had a Sega Mega Drive 2. And she oh. bought it from the neighbours whose kids bought them Sega Mega Drive 2 and I didn't care. And it had Aladdin and it had um, I had Little Mermaid and games like that and it's fun. And were you watching movies as well? Were you watching films? Yes. Yeah. So my nan had cable. My right. nan randomly, 
used to go on holiday quite a lot to Thailand or like the East. <laughs> so random. And she used to bring, like, she brought back a DVD when I was like, what's a DVD? Mm-hmm. And so she had this thing, she brought back a bunch of DVDs with her. And it was the first DVDs where, like, I remember watching, I've still got it actually, she gave me um, Goodfellas. And you had to press yeah. play and you ha- it would stop after like an hour and ten. Yeah. And you had to turn it over. Like a DVD. Oh, man. Like the first, like it was just like, you're just watching a film and then like someone's about to get shot and like then it was like, album. please turn the disc over. <laughs> you're like, there you go. <laughs> so great. so I just meant my nan was like, she ha- she was very, the coolest nan in the world. She was like very up to date on her technology. Yeah. Emily's laughing at my nan. <laughs> gangster nan. Producer Emily <laughs> enjoying the gangster nan. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> So, so, so we'd have so, um, and my memory, like you know, if ever my nan was babysitting me, we had cable, so you'd have you'd right. stay at my nan's house on a Friday night, and yeah. my nan would go to bed. You'd just stay up watching cable, right. so you'd watch like Chucky and like like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff that you weren't supposed to watch when you're a kid. But my nan was asleep, so there was no filter. It's quite interesting the 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 stories that we're not really meant to watch, <laughs> and then the stories that we're forced to watch by other people, <laughs> and how the relationship our relationship with storytelling, yeah, brilliant exactly. Horror it's, films, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's quite it's quite important. Yeah. Maybe the th- maybe the thing to do to do good parenting is to kind of ban your children from watching Shakespeare. <laughs> they say, and, don't they? If you're like a drug-taking <laughs> rock star, your kid will be like a straight A, exactly. straight lay, exactly. brilliant student. Exactly. <laughs> so tell me, so you, you carried on the Sunday uh, youth theatre. Yes. What was the decision to go to drama school? How old were you when you applied? Um, 18. Right, so straight after A-levels. Yeah, like I knew I didn't want to go to uni. I didn't really understand, I just couldn't be honest with the UCAS process, didn't really understand it. Mm. Um, didn't really care for yeah. that. I was like, unless it's something you really want to do, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah. basically, when we were 18, it was very achievable to go to uni. It suddenly, like, it was what like... What year was that? Can I, so I know that invites... 2003. 2003, yeah, yeah so the so height of the Blair government. Yeah, we had, like, EMA money. We, yeah. like, everything was, like, a like I think they just introduced, like, a Beckhamology degree. Mm. <laughs> like, people were just basically <laughs> fucking about. And I was like, it feels really a shame now when you look back on it. You're like, we really did have the opportunity to go. And, like, it just was, like, everyone was just going. And, and I just always remember doing vague subjects. I always call them vague. Like, oh, I'm just going to do history. Not that, like, you shouldn't do... I mean, history's not that vague. <laughs> <to be laughs> no, but it is, it is if you're just, like, what, what are you going to do with that? Right, like, OK, cool. Like, so rather than things Those people came out and did, like, became lawyers and, like, yeah, okay. teachers. It yeah. was like, but they don't teach history. Right, so very was, good. So... I don't know. I just was like, unless you have a burning desire to want to study something for three years yeah. in a really detailed yeah. way, then maybe you shouldn't go. That's how I felt at the time yeah. as the 18-year-old that knew yeah. everything. Um, and then I, like, so randomly, there was an actor in our school, who's my humble brag, that's my mm. name drop, that's better than your name drop. Because <laughs> my name <laughs> yeah, drop's in Star Trek. <laughs> oh, that's pretty um, good. So... Who, 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 is, who is your name so drop? So the girl who was in our year, who yeah. was an actor, and she was on TV, and she was in a badass show that I loved called The Worst Witch, which was brilliant. Yeah, she played the bitch, the Ethel. Witch. And, like, she was that lovely and brilliant. Like... And I remember I wanted to be an actor, and she was acting. And mm. I just said, I was like, are you going to drama school? And she kind of looked a bit like... Oh, don't know and then she went I don't think I'm going to do it like right. she, I think she was a bit over it or yeah. I mean I didn't know her that well but I, think mm. I just got the impression she was like that's too definite a route so she yeah. went to Oxford and in hi- and then in hindsight I saw her a couple of times since she was like yeah I quit acting there and then there was a big theatre company yeah. and then she got involved in the theatre company yeah. and then she was like I really miss acting and then she got it up and it's Felicity Jones Who's oh, now, yeah. No. So that was weird. And then, no. since moving to London, you, I'm like... You withheld the name drop right <laughs> until the last minute there. That <laughs> was, was quite so exciting. <laughs> that was really... So that's, that's, that's the, the story. It's the like, dramatist in you. Who <laughs> <laughs> are these girls from Birmingham talking about uni? Yeah. But yeah, so... And then it was weird. So mm. she did that, and I was just like, why is she going uni? She's brilliant. Like, wouldn't you go to drama school? And she was a bit like, nah. Yeah. And then I moved to London, and then just all these bloody actors who were brilliant, and then they all fucking went to Oxford, and I was like, mate, people need to let that known. So <laughs> like, just, hold on, right. Let, I'm implying Tell me, tell you me don't, the story. You're implying what? I'm implying you don't go to drama school if you want to be an actor. Especially if you And they you should let to, you know that. Especially if you have to spend <laughs> £60 on audition fees. Yeah. Yep. Somebody, I was told recently that... It was uh, me that told you. I saw your tweet. <laughs> I was 
<laughs> no, I, I was told by somebody at the Young Vic Theatre. Um, uh, I, I didn't know about audition fees for drama schools. I told you about audition fees for drama schools and you were super shocked. I think uh, I think it's a complete outrage. It's like, it's it's what's heartbreaking is, so a good friend of mine went to RADA and she's brilliant and she's banging and she's beautiful and she's talented and she's funny. Mm. I can't big her up anymore. And then she happened to be in the same year as another two very famous actors, actresses mm. um, who are also brilliant, talented, funny, and beautiful, and look just like her. And so yeah. two of them are working ridiculously, like, yeah. like completely consistently. And she works. She works really well. But she's like... We can't all blow up, <laughs> like, yeah. all, like, and so every year it's like, they, like these drama schools take thirty kids. So, but and actually you, so, only two of them. But you did go. I did go, yeah. yeah. Where but did now you go? Ha- I don't think I'd tell other people to go. You, you, I don't so think. Rachel Delahaye is strongly advising just, aspiring actors to go money, to Oxford and go get a proper Oxford. degree yeah. in a vague subject <laughs> like history, rather than spend eighty pounds auditioning. Like, all those for people go on to become like the fucking theatre directors. But where did you go? I literally, I got my scholarship straight away to go to Lambda, and then right. I did a year there, and then I went to Aura after Lambda. And, and so I did four years. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and uh, just generally, how was it? How was it? Uh, really fun. Like, yeah. I had the best, like, time of my life. I loved it, and I made friends for life there. But I really, like, honestly, I've been talking about this so much with my friends. If you had, like, I mean, if your kids wanted to be actors, you'd yeah. probably be so stressed anyway. <laughs> Stop, like, yeah. concentrating. But if your kids want to be actors, I just would be like... that. I just look at brilliant young actors now mm. who are doing it different... I think that... I mean, this is not what we're here to talk about. I just don't support the training like I did when I went. I don't support it's, it as It's much. very interesting, and though. I think I mean, it's, it's too, too few people go on to act from it. And it's too... Um, some of the kids that I've auditioned and worked with as young like as young actors in my plays and stuff since I've been lucky to have plays on they're too young to have gone to drama school and yet what they're learning by being in rooms with professional actors who have gone is invaluable but then also they're bringing something else to the table which is just like a freedom of play and a not like they've not got that arrogance of I know what I'm doing and I know it's really bothering you at the moment (laughs) it's really interesting you're really bothered by actor training all the actors that I'm very excited by at the minute haven't trained they've not trained yeah Yeah. I'm not saying that that's no, the no I know brilliant, I know minute. brilliant. You know, I think of working with somebody like Danny Mays, who trained at RADA, mm. and then think of working with somebody like Andrew Scott, who didn't train at all, yeah. and they're both exceptional actors. Yeah. Uh, I want I just... to talk though, not about your <laughs> views on actor training, compelling as your passion for the subject is. Uh, I don't about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to know about your writing. Oh, okay. When did you <laughs> going from somebody who reluctantly wrote essays? Mm. Who didn't finish novels? Who who who? who good for my writing, whose cultural engagement was playing uh, playing on teletext games? <laughs> what on earth got you to the Royal Court Young Writers Program? Um, what, what were you What were you doing here? <laughs> it's it's like you said. It's trying to be an actor, right? Um, coming out of drama school, having yeah. to find monologues for actors right. to do a showcase. Yeah. And realising that there were no parts for mixed race girls that weren't the girlfriend of a boy who right. was supposed to be pretty. Right. Like, this is 2007, 2008. Yeah. Coming out, you had to be pretty to be... Uh, um, yeah, all mixed race girls were pretty girlfriends. It's just fucking like... So what did you do about that frustration? Um, so I seeked, seeked, sought, high and low yeah. for parts. At the time... It just gone on upstairs, Bolo Agbaji's play, which mm. I heard Zari Ashton was in, and I read it and I loved it. Mm. I didn't see it, mm-hmm. but I read it, read mm. it and loved it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, this is doable. You can write it. And I think yeah. I remember saying to you ages ago, that I was just like, oh, the plays are really thin. <laughs> and so, <laughs> how hard can it be? <laughs> it's not like a novel not where you have to read. I was like, they're so thin, they're so manageable. <laughs> And it's, and it's people talking, and Bola's play, it was talking in a dialect that I understood. It right. was really naturalistic. Yes. It, it didn't feel poetic, even though it was. It was my type of poetry. It was, there yeah. was like a rhythm to the language that I really enjoyed, yeah. but it wasn't Shakespeare or Marlowe or... Yeah. yeah. So I just was like, I could do this, and yeah. I could write these parts. But yeah. And so you did. You wrote a monologue for yourself, or how did you no, get... No, I did actually... So I've never actually written 
that much for myself. So I, I just went, let's try and write a play. And I went on the Royal Court website and they said, there's um, there's a course starting in like four weeks. You have this, to apply. Was this the Voices Unheard course? This was the Voices Unheard course, yeah. yes. So, and you had to just write 10 pages, which I think I wrote that night and I just whacked it out and sent it in. And um, Is there a, can I ask, is there, is there a, I want to ask about the politics and the ethics <laughs> about outreach courses for people who are defined by their ethnicity or their yeah. colour. Well, so, like, I always think I feel like a massive... So I I won the Alfred Fagan Award, which I applied for because um, a friend of mine told me about it. I'd never heard of it, and I just sent, like, my eventually finished script in. Yeah. And then I got a phone call one day when I was at work, mm. um, and a voicemail being like, can you call us back? It's the people from wherever. So I kind of ran into the stockroom and I called them back. And it was What quite, job were you doing? Sorry, I just I want to working. paint the picture. <laughs> I was what? working in retail as a yeah. shop assistant. Which shop? Um, All Saints. Very good. So, yeah. And I basically... <laughs> just sets a picture for me. It just makes me <laughs> I was happy. on the King's Road, actually. Great, like in the even back, better. Yeah. Um, in the stockroom. And I called her back, and Winston Pinnett was like, hi, this is Winston Pinnett. And I was like, Hi. And she was like, I just want to let you know that we've selected your play to win. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Mm. And it also... This um, was the Westbridge, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it was called it was called SW11 at the time. Yeah. But it also made me think that everyone who wins any award ever knows that they've won before it's announced. <laughs> so I was, like, watching the Oscars from then on being like, I know you got a phone call. <laughs> like, just stop trusting. But, yeah, so she called me up and she was like, I just want to let you know... And I could hear, like, a hesitation in her voice, and she was really nervous about speaking to me, and I didn't know who she was. And I was a bit like... I'd read her play, Mules, which I loved, but yeah. I didn't know her personally. It was just yeah. a voice. And I could just hear, like, a nervousness. And then she was like, so, yeah, you've won. I was like, oh, amazing. She was like, uh, yeah. I was like, what's going on? And she went, I, I hate to ask this, but obviously I reckon she tried to Google me and nothing could come up. And she went... Are you like a African like Afro Caribbean background? And I was like, oh shit, she knows I'm mixed race. <laughs> like this award is gonna be taken away from me. And I was like, fuck, how am I gonna get? And I was like, oh well, my dad is. Is that okay? And she's like, oh yeah, 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 that's fine. And I was like, okay, cool. And we haven't got the phone. And I was like, oh phew. And I was like, I can't carry on this lie of being like half of one thing, half of another. And so the group was for um, writers from a Muslim background. And my mum, who's white and as white as the like kind of snow is white, worse than me in the world. You see why I don't write poetically. But she was adopted by a Pakistani guy and, like, was raised as a Muslim and lived in Pakistan until yeah. she was kind of her teens. Wow. And so I'm always, like... And, and, like, this man I call my granddad and and I think of him as my granddad and, you know, we spend Christmas and, like, you know, he's, he's um, part of the family and his children are my uncles and... Well, they are my uncles because they're half my nan's children. Yeah. And, um, and I always consider myself, like of a Muslim background, even though I am not a Muslim. So the wording of the group was like, people from a Muslim background. I was like, also that's me. (laughs) And then the thing happened when the play got announced and it was like by Muslim playwright, Rachel Dele, and I was like, oh fuck, it's happening all over again. So being generally The notion of being a fraud. Yeah, Yeah, but like, but An also, like, fraud. this, yeah, ethnicity thing of constantly people are like, where's Rachel from? Right, very good. <laughs> what is Rachel? So the notion of being de- other people defining you yeah. by your otherness. And then, like, being like, no, 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 like, being, like, with Winston Pinnacle. Like, Honestly, my dad's from St. Kitts. Like, he really is. Yeah. And I was also like, I don't really know my dad. <laughs> but he is from St. Kitts, I promise you. And then just being, like, applying for this award that was for writers from a Caribbean background or a, a, a black Afro-Caribbean background, I was like, I don't know if I'm entitled, but fuck it, I took the money. <laughs> like, it's a really, I mean, it's a <laughs> fascinating kind of cultural background, isn't it? So you're yeah. a white mum raised in Pakistan yeah. as a Muslim. Yeah. And, uh, she has what, a better, way more interesting life than me. <laughs> what's, what's really interesting is your anxiety about the entitlement as well. Mm. Because, well, then, for the minute someone puts a thing and says you're a Muslim playwright, yeah. and you're like, I'm not Muslim. Yeah. But I know that world, like the back of my hand, but I'm yeah. not that. You're just like, and then you like, yeah, it just feels, I don't like that. And saying you're a black playwright, and then being like, now I've got to walk into a room and accept an award. As everyone will be like, that girl's mixed. She's not I can that see, black. I can she's see. not that black. <laughs> like, I'm the girl like in winter when I go pale, people are like, I think she's Turkish. Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> what was the course like? 
uh, Wicked, really, really Who fun. Who run it? Mike Bartlett and Ola, who you right. spoke about at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's really fun. There's like 15, 20 of us. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us are still in contact. Great. It was super fun. Great. It was an introduction to playwriting course, so it's very back to basics. And your relationship with plays up to that point had been as an actor. Yeah. You'd not written. Yeah. Um, I'd did read... you enjoy the writing? Yeah, yeah, I really did. Mm. I didn't understand, like what was important <laughs> like I, I didn't I, I wrote scenes that I wanted to see on stage and I wrote scenes that I thought would be fun to play as an actor or I'd, I yeah. reckon I took like bets that I'd be like actors would love to do this and like challenge each other like this and yeah. have these conflicts and whatever on stage but that but that was it yeah so I just wrote I wrote scenes seems like a really exciting way to write it's a really to, fun way it's a to... long way <laughs> It's a really because long you're writing, you're writing an inchoate series yeah. of scenes, yeah, and then you've got to put them yeah. all together. I always think of my playwriting as like cutting and pasting, <laughs> eventually, because right. it's all like, well, then what comes next, and what would they do next? And I'm like, oh, I've got that scene, maybe that could go in. So w- when a lot of people I've spoken to who who uh, started writing on courses, specifically courses here, but in yeah. other courses, you tend to do situations where you're writing a scene every week. And then you'll kind of look at a collection of scenes and think, oh, well, that scene could go with that scene. <laughs> yeah. Then we can put them, you've got two scenes. Yeah. You get two scenes, you're on your way to a play. Yeah. Was that the experience with the Westbridge? Uh, or what yeah, was it originally so. called? SW11. SW11. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was um, finding different ways to write. I think, uh, did they say you? Maybe it wasn't you. They were like, there's two ways to write a play. And this is, mm. I remember, it's my first notebook on my first page. It's mm. like day one, I think or, like, one of my first pages, they were like, there's two ways to write, and I think they said one way is um, you have a A, B character, and they just, you just start them talking, and mm-hmm. then you see what they say, mm-hmm. and then you see where that goes, and they were like, the other way is to write a bunch of lists, do loads of research, mm-hmm. work out who they are, mm-hmm. and then um, and then come to it behind that, and you know who they are before they even say anything, mm-hmm. you know everything about them, you know, like... And um, I'm definitely way one. Like, right. I don't even know what their names are until they're like, shut the door, Bob. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's Bob. In all three of the plays that you've written. Yeah. yeah. And I always remember saying to you, I was like, oh, it's so hard. And you were like, you were like, yeah, one day <laughs> when it's going to be more of like, you've got loads of commissions or juggling loads of pieces of work, you're going to have to be a bit more re- like structured. In your, it's less free, free flow, more, well, more planned. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel bad that that was quite kind of instructive <laughs> or insistent. I think uh, maybe maybe what I should have said was that it's the only way that I've managed to yeah. No, I think that's what you meant. Is by thinking about it like that. Yeah. But the, there's an energy that you get when you're writing instinctively I, and exp- I enjoy writing instinctively. Like I enjoy just having people talk to each other and finding out what their problems are and just watching them grow into people. I really enjoy that. What was the journey of winning from winning the Alfred Fagan Award to getting it on? Uh, at the I, court it was really brilliant because I never want I, I kind of came to the Royal Court and I was like I know I'm not going to get like I'd been to drama school I was like I know I'm not going to leave drama school and go on the, I'd not left drama school and gone on the national Olivier stage yeah. so I was like I know that I'm not going to leave the Royal Court writing group and have a play on at the Royal yeah. Court like I don't expect that yeah. so actually what I can get from it is friends which I did yeah. like a learning and understanding mm. a brilliant collection of plays like really brilliant kind of suggestions of playwrights to be now enthused about yeah. um, free tickets loads of free mm. tickets or cheap mm. tickets there were five at the time I remember and I, we just got to watch everything for a fiver yeah. and that was super fun mm. um and uh, yeah, and 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 so then, and then it won this award, and I was like, it probably will go on somewhere now. Mm. I reckon someone, some maybe some fringe venue or something, mm-hmm. could be excited by it. And I got like a few emails from some directors who were like, can I read it? And mm-hmm. I was like, of course. And then I never heard from them again. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. and then and 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 so, and then, the most flattering thing for me is my friend set up a theatre company at the same time a guy I went to drama school with, George Turvey. And he messaged me and was like, he was running the first Papa Tango playwright group course. Yep. And so this is like one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Rach, send it to us. Like, we're running a playwright composition and we're going to yep. put the play on. Yep. And I was like, cause. And then he called, so it's him and his two mates, um, Sam and, um, oh God, Matt. And, and so I know Sam quite well. I don't know Matt at all. And it's the three of them. And yeah. one of them's my best mate. And he's like, we'll read the play. And he calls me up and he's like, so we really like it and we'll probably put it on. 
And I, it was so embarrassing for me because I was like, oh, now it's just George doing me a favour. Uh. And I suddenly was like, oh, fuck, I wish I didn't do this. Like, I wish I sent it in anonymously. And I was like, now my right. best mate feels you... obliged to put my play on. It's a real anxiety, I think. It's, I, it's an anxiety <laughs> I still feel whenever anybody reads or comes to see my yeah. plays. If they tell me they like it, I assume they hate it. Like, it was suddenly... I, it never occurred, like, why wouldn't I have thought that before I handed yeah. it in? I shouldn't have handed it in. But yeah. I gave it to him thinking he'd be able to read it kind of neutrally and then he was like we really like it we're gonna do it and then um but then luckily the royal well not luckily but then the royal court it just made the distance i didn't have to so what so i mean the royal court who had no vested interest in being nice to you necessarily they (laughs) must genuinely have liked the play who was it was it dominic it was chris it's always been chris chris yeah it was chris yeah the literary manager, Chris yeah. Campbell, a towering figure in British theatre. He's like my favourite man in the world. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, he rang you. He rang me and was, was super Dom- cool. Dominic was artistic director at the time. He Dominic was, Cook was artistic yes. director, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Do you remember where you were? Can you set the scene? Were you in the storeroom of All Saints on the King's Road when you got that phone call as well? In which case, I think you should spend more time in the storeroom of All Saints <laughs> on the King's Road. That's all they want from me for life. <laughs> at fucking Stockholm. No, um, I know where I was when he said the play was on. Yeah. Um, he wasn't saying the play was on with this first phone okay, call. So where were you he when was, he said the play was on? I was, I'd, basically, I'd sent the play yeah. because I'd done a play at the bush as an actor. Yeah. So I kind of had a vague, you know, when you're like, you pull out every straw. I kind of knew Josie Walk. Like, I'd been in, yeah, play, yeah, yeah, in her yeah, building. And so I asked her very kindly to read my play that was yeah. now an award winning play. So Great. I was like, humble brag, yeah. in. Um, fingers crossed she'll read it. Maybe she'd at least, like, give me notes. It's or an Alfred Fagan award winning play. It's hey, a significant award. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, maybe she'll read it. Like, I just, I was like, this puts me in a different position than being an actor asking mm. an artistic director to read a play. Like as a favor, I was like, someone said it's good, so maybe you could tell me what I need to do to get it on or help me finish it. So I sent it to her, and she sent a really nice email back, being like, I actually like it. I don't think it's for us, but I've put you forward for yeah. at the time the Bush were doing a collaboration with the BBC Writers Room, which eventually led to the Laura Kitchens thing, which is brilliant. Great. But this is before any plays gone on, and she went, I want to nominate you as our playwright. Yeah. For, so I was like. I was like, suddenly I was like, the BBC are meeting me. Right, <laughs> I was good. famous. So what, so, what, so, so I was walking into the BBC yeah. on my first day to meet the writers that I would eventually be working with. got a phone call from Chris. And got a phone call from Chris. Man, that must have been good. That was a good day. I think I was like, came outside and told my friend Kenny. Kenny was like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what, what is was, this? What was the production like for you? Oh, I loved it. And this was this was at the Bussy Building? Yes. So, it so away from building. Chelsea, in the rarefied air of Chelsea. Yeah. What exactly. was that like to be down in Peckham rather than being here? Um, well, I lived in Peckham, so it was very local, very Quite easy. Quite convenient. Kind of convenient. I got to walk yeah. to rehearsals. Um, it was... I remember, like, my snobbery. I was like, oh, there's no prep, like, for your daytime lunch. Right. I was like, oh, like, what chapter? <laughs> Did you only notice there was no prep when you had a play in rehearsal yeah. up to that point? Well, you no, because you, you don't work on your doorstep, do you? So you don't no, mind, right. like, yeah, having, yeah, yeah. like, a nice fancy six-pound sandwich or whatever. I bet there's a prep now, isn't there? No, there isn't. Is there? There's not. <laughs> yeah. No, trust me. Um, but there was, like, a bunch of, like, kind of very nice cafes that are a bit too like you treat yourself on a Saturday maybe yeah. but you wouldn't flip and eat there every day yeah. and then the other shot was like cottage chicken and it was like <laughs> no 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 midpoint so I remember finding lunchtime very stressful but other than that I just look I got to Clint Dyer who directed it who did such a brilliant job yes and um Alts who designed it I just yeah. got to hang with them every day and they let me sit in the rehearsal room and watch everything grow and become better was it an odd as an actor watching actors perform your play no, it was really humbling actually, because I was like, um, without I can't. They were basically the actors that you would aspire. Like it was that lesson of being like, oh, this is where I want to get to. And so I got to watch brilliant, brilliant actors. Yeah. And we got this actor Chetna to play the part, the main girl part. And she, I'd always see her sat like in. Um, kind of as the stage was like being made around her with her headphones and listening to music like on repeat and she was so like in her own little bubble and then she'd go on stage and I'd be like oh I thought I know your process I'd be Mm. like I see what you do Mm. and that was really it felt really special to be privy to things like that and then I I remember Fraser Ayres who played the part of Marcus and I had a typo in my first script so it was something like um 
let's sorry, I'm going to make up a line, but like, hey, how you doing? Mm. Um, but it was like, hey, how are you? Full stop doing. Right. And he, he honoured the full stop every time. And I was like, oh, God, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and after like the second read through, I was like, thank you so much for honouring the full stop. And it's actually not meant to be there. And he's like, oh, okay, you put it on the paper, I'll do it. And I was like, I love you. So, and he was just like, he was like, Paulette Randall told me whatever's on this page, you flipping honour it, man. You just respect. And I was like, wow, I'm powerful. I can put a full stop anywhere. And that was quite, it felt really, it felt really like, I just felt really like loved and supported. And um, for my first play to have like a brilliant actor like him say, what you write, I will say. I was like, fuck, I wouldn't even do that, but thank you. Tell me about writing Roots. Um, so writing Roots was was my first, well, it was my second play, but um, I was like, right in the West Bridge. Commission play as well. Commission play, yeah, yeah, very, very honoured. And I remember saying to, like, Chris, me and my friend had just gone to, like, Paris to watch um, Audrey Tattoo in a doll's house. We'd done, like, a road trip to Paris. Mm. I don't know who the fuck we thought we were. We were like, fuck it, we'll just drive to Paris in a day. We'll get £10 tickets, because we're under 26, and they did 10-euro tickets. And then we got like up, we went up the um, Eiffel Tower, and, like had a glass of champagne. Like, who lives this life? This is our day trip. And like, by the time it was like midnight, and we were like trying to like hit the ferry, get the like midnight ferry. I was like, we're never gonna make it. I'm so tired. This is awful. Um, That's like the coolest story <laughs> about going to the theatre. It's ever. also <laughs> flipping. It was watching her do a doll's house right. when you're like, I know a doll's house like the back of my hand, yeah. and also I speak conversational French. Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> Two minutes in, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I was like, everyone was laughing. I was like, oh. It was so stressful. I was like, I'm just going to have to enjoy the set, which was beautiful. <laughs> I had no idea what was happening. I started laughing alongside the man next to me just to fit in. Um, it was, But it was 10 euros, and I got to watch Audrey Tattoo on the stage, great. which is brilliant. That's really great. Um, but... What was the point? I've gone on a tangent. Uh, the point was you were talking about writing roots. Oh, yeah. So we basically, on the way there and on the way back, we saw the flipping... It wasn't probably wasn't even the first camps. I'm so ignorant to it all. But the flipping camps that were set up, like, in Calais. Mm. And I was just like, I don't understand what's going on and why these men are just hanging out here. And I just started, like, Googling it and finding out about it. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And I remember getting really angry and really earnest, <laughs> which I try not to do anymore. But I was just like, this is an outrage. Something should be done. And then um, I told someone that I wanted to write a play about it. I told Chris, Chris Campbell, and Chris was like, yes, we will commission that. And he very kindly gave me, like, I remember him sending me newspaper clippings. He was like, oh, I read this, and I thought of you, which I thought yeah. was really sweet. And um, But I, could, I didn't know what I wanted to write, how I'd write that as a story. So I was just, so I, so I told someone what I wanted to write, and she got me in touch with a woman who works at Yarswood, and that's when it became like a, um, a halfway house kind of detention centre story. Yeah. So I suddenly met this woman that worked at Yarswood and Harmonsworth and Harmonsworth, I've suddenly forgotten the name of it. And um, and these places that immigrants get taken when they're when they're not their status is they're not they don't have British citizenship status, so they're taken yeah. to be deported and ultimately the idea is I think the face of Yarswood would like to say that they hold them here for a week or so yeah. while they're sorting out the paperwork to send them home. Yeah. Very nice, very nice and civil. And actually what was happening was it was taking way longer than a week or two. They were just being held. And that was the cases that were positive and they were like entitled to be sent back. And they were the cases that was like the seamless cases were just taking months. And yeah. then the non-seamless cases, like the cases where, you know, they can't be sent back because it's a war-torn country They yeah. or their country rejects them. <laughs> their country yeah. is like, nah, bro, they chose to go to the UK, fuck them, they're not coming back. All those cases, they were like, ah, oh, so we're stuck with them, mm. but we'll just keep them here. And I was like, that's bullshit. And I just, and then that's how I got my in. And I was like, now I know what I want to write about. Like I knew I wanted to write about this problem of everyone trying to get to the UK. And I was, I remember driving, we were driving back from Paris and I was like, a tiny, I guess a smug part, maybe that's not the right word. I was just like, it's not that great over. <laughs> like I remember thinking, you have no idea how not that cool it is and how sad it is for me to watch you be so desperate to get here. They have no idea how, how complicated and yeah. difficult life in the and UK I was, is. Yeah, and the yeah. idea that now when you get here and if you do get like kind of caught, yeah. you'll find yourself in this kind of red tape system. Yes. And that just broke my heart a bit. Yes. And I really enjoyed writing that story. And I found the story of a little boy who... Um, 
which I just thought was fascinating, and I basically wrote his story, who kind of was... It was, for me, it's always, like, I don't like clean characters. Like, I don't want to write the story about a boy who's never done wrong and was, like, such a brilliant person and such a contributor to society. Mm. And isn't it a real shame that he got back? Because I'm just like, I'd sneer at that if I watched it. I'd be like, please. Like, what? He's never flipping stole a penny from a penny shop. Like, he's yeah. never... I just don't buy it. And I think it's too easy to tell a story that's... Um, that's about how people can get fucked over by using yeah. clean characters. So I'm yeah. like, of course I'm going to feel sorry for that person. Nothing yes. bad should happen to them. But I was like, but this boy, he was involved in petty crime. So he was like stealing mobile phones from kids from school yeah. and just shit like that. Just mm -hmm. the kid that you're just like, he's a dickhead. And you just be like, you're a bit of a twat. Yeah. But then you go, well, if you're a twat and I think you're a bit of a prick, a bit of a dickhead, do I want that to happen to you? I want to watch those plays. I find that interesting. Yeah. If I think someone's a bit of a knob and I'm like, but would I hold them in a detention centre indefinitely for three years for their dickishness? So the theatre for you is a place where you can engage in complication and contradiction and uncertainty yeah. rather than kind of watching stories of which are clean in their morality. Yeah, I yeah. guess so, yeah. And you're still writing plays that you you want to watch? Yeah. Is that still the thing? Yeah. Plays that just aren't flipping, like... I just... I always think, I'm just like... I think any minority in England is very used to watching white films, plays, TV series, whatever, and finding the universal story and being like, that is applicable to me because I have been in love, I have parents, I have this. Right, so good. we're very used to... And I just think, but sometimes I'm just like, I just want to see my actual mom <laughs> on stage. Or I just want to see my actual self. Like, it's all very well, like, being like, oh, no, I can watch The Crown because, like, I too understand <laughs> what it's yeah. like to be loved and, lo like, have my love taken away from me. But I'm also like... I just want to see, like, my home, my world, my that. And I yeah. think there's not... I feel quite passionately there's not enough of that happening on stage or on screen um, in the UK. Mm. And so I'm just trying to do my bit to contribute to it, I guess. What's your process? What's your working day like? Oof. Um, I always feel like as long as my laptop's open by 10, I've started. <laughs> Where do you write? At home. At home, or there's a coffee shop around the corner um, that I like to go to, to, like, after lunch, just to kind of get out and just be a twat and take up his space. But he's, like, this great guy who runs a coffee shop who gives me free cake. So I literally contribute nothing to his business. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those two places. And you contribute energy and creativity <laughs> in his space? That's no, he really infectious. welcomes me on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Saturday. He's like, get out. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't need your type in here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I listen to music on repeat. I can't listen to albums. I don't know how you do it. I don't, like, do you listen to music when you When write? I'm writing, I tend to not listen to music when I'm writing. Uh, I, listen to, I listen to a track that yeah. has an energy and it's really weird with, a, goes, vocal, with a vocal line yeah sometimes with vocal sometimes not but on loop so it stops right. being it wow. becomes like hypnotic and mental and you go through my iTunes wow. it'll be like this song has been played like 70 times this have song has got, been played 62 got, this song has been played 1,350 times which, which song's been played 1,350 times so like um, when I did Circles there was yeah. a lot of FK twigs going on in there right. There was Video Girl on loop a lot. Yeah. I just think it was like hypnotic and a bit. And I was like, how, how is this woman managing her world where she doesn't feel like she's in control? So there's that. Yeah. Um, when I wrote, I wrote a film recently. It was a lot of KB, <laughs> just like right. on loop, just like yeah. getting in my head. Yeah. And just felt really energetic and fun and like, um, yeah. Weirdly, when I've written when I've written for screen, I will yeah. listen to music. Yeah. When I write for stage, I always write in silence. Nice. Nice. Is, I, I like even in the Royal Court, sometimes you do these writers' groups and they'd be like, now go to a corner of the room and just think about why it's there and yeah. do some writing. I'd be like, pull out my phone. And I yeah. just, I think just the world's too, like, even if you sat yourself in a silent office and like it's too silent, like, yes. it's too, you can, you, it's too silent, not too silent, it's the opposite. You can always hear something yeah, and there's always something that can distract you. And the minute I plug in, I guess it's why people walk around London plugged in, like, you just, you're in your zone then. Yeah. And just no one can disturb you or bother you. Do you still do uh, write in the same way that you, you talked about writing uh, Westbridge where yeah. you're writing scenes and then creating yeah. a collage that you shape after having yeah. written the scenes? Yeah. What I, yeah. 
what I get frustrated with now is sometimes I'll be maybe walking around London or with my headphones in and in like a bit of my own thing and I see a scene play out and I'm yeah. like, oh, that's brilliant. And I'm like, oh, I don't have pen or paper and I'm like in my iPhone notes, like, it's this, it's, it's, it's that, it's, it's the It's interesting, other. <laughs> right, but for me, when I've, written, when I've done that on notes on the yeah. iPhone... You never or, look at it again. Well, I do look at it again, <laughs> but I think the... Writing with your thumbs creates a different it's type crap. of writing. It is crap. To the writing with a keyboard. And you, you shorthand it, and yeah. then you read it back, and you're like, oh, it's a bit clunky, I don't get it. Or... And auto, I always think autocorrect, spell autocorrect <laughs> on, on, on notes is much more paralysing to instinctive <laughs> writing than if you're just riffing on yeah. a keyboard. Do you ever write longhand? No, right. no. Actually, um, like, I, like I said, like if I was kind of in London or like walking around and I had my notepad, I would definitely, because it's, it's quicker for me, actually, just to yeah. get it out than definitely on notes. Or... And the type of, have you noticed the type of writing that you'll write at home? Is it different in any way to the type of writing you write in the cafe? Yeah, it's more laboured. It's longer. <laughs> I think the more time you have, yeah. the harder everything. I don't know. When I, yeah, I can do more in a cafe. Than I've started cafe. writing in cafes because it makes me feel a little bit guilty if I idle. Yeah, you can't... You can't go on, you just can't go on Google There's... and just look at Man United websites. Because <laughs> eventually you realise you you're just spending your, your working you day looking Netflix. at Man United and websites. And they're anti-porn <laughs> as well. I they know, some of, the, some of their Wi-Fi, you can't, you can't <laughs> even access it. It's really frustrating. <laughs> um, no, I hear you. I do, I always remember you saying, mm. when we did that trip to Barcelona which proper start with me, the writing trip, not a romantic... Oh, no, it's got both... Listen, Rachel, both trips have started with me. I mean, no, we went... You, you came and did the writing course at Salah Beckett in Barcelona. I did. Yeah. And I always... You did a thing with us where you went, time yourself, I think it was, like, for three minutes. Yeah. And it's, like, how much writing do you get done that? In yeah. that? And sometimes when I'm frightened and I wake up and I've got something to hand in that day yeah. and I like start my day at 10 and I'm like I've got all day this has never taken me longer than like an hour yeah. to do and something in me gets a bit like <gasps> and I yeah. sit down and I just start timing myself and I'm like just like breaking it up into small I think the more time you have yeah. the more overwhelming and like panicked I, I always think get. I think some of the best writing I've done I've, I've done when I've wasted hours on the internet, realise that I've got to go and get get my kids from school or go to a meeting or something. I've only got an hour's uh, yeah. le hour left in my entire working day, and then you just fucking go and yeah. just you know rock I the remember hour. finishing Roots. I finished it before Christmas. My yeah. favourite thing about it. I finished it before Christmas. I handed it in like a week before Christmas because I needed money for Christmas. I was like, I have to hand it. <laughs> you got to get the delivery fee. And so Chris Campbell apparently <laughs> called my agent and was like, he'd obviously read it or skim read it or something, and he was like. Is Rachel sure this is a draft? <laughs> and like basically, <laughs> my agent called me and he was like, "So Chris has called and he's not certain you are finished." <laughs> and I considered that and I was like, "This is really important because I want Chris to be impressed, and I really need to consider is it finished." And I was like, "Now, nah, bruv, it's finished. Like next week, I need to buy presents. <laughs> it's finished. It's in. in. I, it has to be in." And then I spent the Christmas rewriting it. So I got my money. Spent Christmas rewriting it. And then January 6th or whatever, Chris calls. It's like, so, I've got notes. I was like, no worries, I've got a new draft. <laughs> I was like, don't worry. <laughs> Please don't consider that. And he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> They're important, those mentor figures, aren't they? Yeah. Is Chris the main one for you? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, I, I guess, because my first play was under Dominic, and then I did Roots with Vicky, yeah. and then I did Peckham, so proper with Bolo and Vicky. Um, I feel like I was on the, I don't feel yeah. like... So he's been a consistent yeah, presence Chris has under been both Chris, Dominic yeah. and Vicky. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's yeah. who I go to. The uh, and and so Roots was the won the Charles Winter Award at the evening. So who yeah. was it who gave you who gave you because they normally roll out some nauseating person at that most it was despicable some, of awards. You know awards who ceremonies. it was, and I never remember the evening his name. standard award. It is. Of, oh um, no, it was Damien Lewis. Oh, he's no, it cool. wasn't. No, it wasn't Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis was presenting the award. I yeah. got to shake his hand. I think yeah. he kissed me. I remember that because I tweeted about it. That's and, nice. and it was because we were missing Homeland to flipping watch it. So I was like, mate, I win. <laughs> And then... It's better than watching Homeland <laughs> getting a kiss from yeah. David Lewis. But then, the, uh, like, the guy who gave it to mm. me, like, because I was so nervous, and he, like, shook my hand, and then he whispered in my ear. It was like, I read it on the plane. I thought it was excellent. I was like, who are you? <laughs> like, it was so weird. This, yeah. like, random, posh, very handsome actor. Someone from Downton Abbey? I want Like, he's one of those names that you know that's, you, like, everywhere. One, one of the things that interests me is, like, it's, the the... The energy with which you talk about meeting people outside the cinema on the <laughs> slope of McDonald's 
or or you know being in this the stock room at All Saints on Kings Road seems like they're places which you feel entitled to be yeah. and your notion about you're even uncertain about entitled oh, it was and, horrible. you know thinking of yourself as a kind of black writer or a writer from Muslim background how entitled how happy were you at the evening standard awards so I took my mum yeah. and we had my mum her famous story she was like, I was in the queue behind Joanna Lumley in the toilets <laughs> <laughs> and she was like she was like excuse me <laughs> she mm. was like that's Joanna Lumley so my mum loved it we both had fun Vicky and Simon Godwin were there mm. and um, Carrie Cracknell and we sat on a big royal court table my award was at first which I didn't know so you yeah. have this big fancy dinner and it's fun but you do feel a bit like every award I've gone to as soon as it's done you like I'd go because I want to then have proper fun with yeah. the people that because um, I got I remember getting the Writers Guild Award and my agent saw that I just wasn't very comfortable there yeah. and as soon as the thing finished he just basically turned um, I met Mike Lee and he came up to me and was like hi I'm Mike and I was like didn't know who he was so I was like lovely to meet you he was like Lee I was like oh shit let me stand but as soon as that happened my agent just pulled me out of there and then we went for dinner around the corner and yeah. had like a big slap up dinner and that was fun and with my mom, as soon as it happened, we caught the night bus home, I remember, because I couldn't get an Uber to get to the Savoy. And I was like, I don't, they were like, what entrance? I was like, I don't know where the fuck we are. And there were yeah. all these cars and there's paparazzi everywhere. I was like, fuck this, the night bus is over the bridge. Let's just catch that. <laughs> so we like walked in our heels with this fucking massive award. I don't, I, I enjoyed winning. I really enjoyed winning. It was really fun. I enjoyed getting drunk. I enjoyed celebrating. I remember being on the table for the Royal Court at the Evening Standard Awards. My thing came up first. And I remember being like, this is shit now, because if I don't win it, all these people are going to give me, like, oh, never mind. And it, I just felt, like, for them, because they'd all worked so hard on yeah. it, that I deserve, like, I wanted to win it for them yeah. and make them proud. And I, I remember as soon as they said, and first up, I was like, oh, this is night's just going to go badly mm. if I don't get it. And luckily, not luckily, very privileged that I got it. But I just remember... Neither luck nor privilege, because <laughs> it's a really good play and you deserve it. No, but I'm sure, <laughs> like, the other plays are brilliant as yeah. well. That's the whole thing with all that. It's just like... Yes. It's just all what it is, isn't it? It's like, you know everyone else should it's win it as well. It's not competition. Yeah. Yeah. But also it is. <laughs> <laughs> But no, yeah. it was just, it was more fun to win than to not win. But yeah. I got out of there as soon as I could. And that we drank at home. And that was super, more fun. That sounds good fun. Yeah. The, do you, it, you've written for film. You've written yes. for the internet. You've written yeah. for radio. Yeah. You're still writing for theatre. Yes. Is theatre important to you? Yeah. It feels like a safe space. It feels like, it actually, when you talk about all those fancy places and where you're entitled, I do feel like I. I'm entitled to be in the theatre. And I it's think, mainly been the Royal Court and in yeah. Birmingham, the Birmingham, with Birmingham the circles Rep. was Birmingham yeah. Rep, yeah. Those um, two theatres are the most important for yeah, you, really. Yeah, they just, they, um, I remember I had a conversation with Chris Campbell years ago mm. about how he said when actors sometimes write up and they'd say I'd love to be considered for a play or writers send in their plays. And unfortunately, if it does, if they go not this time or whatever, he goes, it's really sad when he goes, he meets those people and they go, oh, I just thought the Royal Court isn't a building for me. And he's like, no, you have to try it. Like, it's a yeah. building for everyone. And I always remember being like, what would I feel like if I didn't get my play on? And actually, without being up too much, I did feel welcome and I did feel like mm. there's an open door policy from start. Yeah. Do you feel like this place is your home? Yeah, I, I, I think I do. There but was a time... Because it. yeah, and it's it's interesting in the story of the theatres. Often it often happens for writers that there'll be a moment, quite often because they've been associated with a particular artistic director. Yeah. That when the artistic director changes, they can feel yeah, emotional distraught. So or some of my friends some have way. said that, and I yeah. never had it because I didn't feel. Because, yeah. Because also Dominic never called me to tell me right. that the play was on. I met right. Dominic like way later to get notes on a draft, yeah. and it was like. I just remember just sitting there in silence while yeah. he like spoke at me, so I didn't I remember, feel I, that affinity. I remember feeling a great sense of belonging under Ian Rickson, and Ola, right. Ola was my boss when I was in the Young Writers Programme. Right. And then feeling slightly uh, nervous that Dominic wasn't interested in supporting me. What's yeah. what happened? Which is great. I feel very at home with Vicky. Yeah. I feel like I feel proud to be part of Vicky's gang. You're doing the podcast, I mean, man. She's like, come you're on, podcast. exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm that, I'm that. You know, cutting edge of the technology. <laughs> Um, no. But I do feel as though this is a place which... It's not that it champions writers, it, 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 it's that it champions a spirit of challenge and provocation yeah. that writers that the writers I love often find really exciting. Right. That, that you know, it's a place to challenge us, and I, yeah. I really cherish that. Yeah. What do you write for? What do you mean? 
like for myself. Well, yeah, I mean, you're writing, are you writing to express yourself, to explore yourself? Are you writing to provoke other people? Are you writing to make money? Are you writing because <laughs> it's fun? Are you writing to entertain? Are you writing to question? I'm writing because I enjoy it. Right. I feel like, it, I really enjoy it. I feel, it, I, I can't even articulate why I enjoy it. I just, there's something when it's working, I'm like, I can do this forever. Mm. Um... I trust, I guess it has to be an arrogant part of me, I trust that if I enjoy reading it back, my mm. friends and my peers will enjoy reading it or seeing it. Mm. I trust that. I have an arrogant cockiness that's like, oh, so what, the, the Guardian or the whatever, because I'm like, I probably wouldn't want to hang with them at the theatre. <laughs> so, fuck them. <laughs> um, yeah, so I always, whenever anyone's like, oh, you know, what about... What it, what's his face from the Financial Times? I'm like, I don't think we'd be friends, so I think it's okay if he doesn't like my play. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> like, we're not going to roll. I'm, no sleep's going to be lost over that. But I do have a thing a bit about being like, and one of the best things with the Westbridge was all my, because it was my first play, all my friends proper got behind me. Friends I hadn't seen for ages, kind of caught the train down from Birmingham, mm -hmm. came to watch it, mm -hmm. and all of them were like, yeah, that's for... Like, it was that thing about being, like, you know, a bunch of, like, you know, people in their mid-twenties just being like, yeah, this is for us. And I was like, that's my job done. I was like, that's... And I thought, as long as I can keep doing that for the people who I want... I, I, if I want to watch it, I trust my friends and my peers want to watch it, then that's kind of cool and exciting. Um, does that mean that I don't want other people to watch it? I don't mind. I don't mind. Like, if it's, for, I guess, like, yeah, if it's for you, it's for you. But I want, I want to make sure that the people that I admire will watch it, and they're my, my, my friends and my peers. Oh. Rachel Delay, thank you very much indeed. I love this mood. It's like <laughs> soothing. Yeah. Head rub. Thanks very much for listening to the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, then make sure you subscribe at royalcourttheatre.com or on iTunes to get the next episode. You can purchase many of the plays discussed here, all of the plays discussed here, at royalcourttheatre.com forward slash shop or come into the bookshop uh, at the theatre in Sloan Square. Come to the theatre, come and see the plays. Follow us on Twitter at Royal Court. Follow me on Twitter at Stephen Simon and tune in next week to next week's Royal Court Theatre Playwrights podcast. Uh, I'm Simon Stevens. Have a brilliant week. Thank you very much for listening. See you later. Ta-ra.